there it's james and welcome back to another side quest where either myself or jesse does a quick spoiler free review of one of our solo books before we get started i just want to remind everyone that we do have a one dollar patreon if you want to support our show this also grants access to all episodes two days earlier than public release links for patreon our email and all social media are in the show notes we post our episode release schedule at the top of our Facebook page in case you're looking to read along with us. Please feel free to send us an email with questions, comments, book recommendations, and more. So this is episode 2 of my Cosmere miniseries where I do a spoiler-free summary and quick review of all of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere-related novels. Before listening, if you're unfamiliar with anything I just said, I recommend listening to the Cosmere Primer I did, which is labeled as Side Quest number 9 in our episode list, for a brief breakdown on the Cosmere and what this all is. Jumping right into this book, I reviewed Elantris. This is a standalone novel from 2005, and then revised in 2015 as a 10th anniversary edition. While it is a complete and finished standalone story, there are whispers that we will get another Elantris novel still years away. So, I'm going to start by reading you the full prologue of the book, as it's very short and basically explains the premise. Elantris was beautiful once. It was called the City of the Gods, a place of power, radiance, and magic. Visitors say that the very stones glowed with an inner light, and that the city contained wondrous arcane marvels. At night, Elantris shone like a great silvery fire, visible even from a great distance. Yet, as magnificent as Elantris was, its inhabitants were more so. Their hair a brilliant white, their skin an almost metallic silver, the Elantrians seemed to shine like the city itself. Legends claimed that they were immortal, or at least nearly so. Their bodies healed quickly, and they were blessed with great strength, insight, and speed. They could perform magics with a bare wave of the hand. Men visited Elantris from all across Opalon to receive Elantris' healings, food, or wisdom. They were divinities. And anyone could become one. The Shoud, it was called. The Transformation. It struck randomly, usually at night during the mysterious hours when life slowed to rest. The Shoud could take beggar, craftsman, nobleman, or warrior. When it came, the fortunate person's life ended and began anew. He would discard his old, mundane existence and move to Elantris. <sighs> Elantris, where he could live in bliss, rule in wisdom, and be worshipped for eternity. Eternity ended ten years ago. And there you have it. Ten years before the book starts, something mysteriously happened. Abruptly, Elantrian magic failed. Just stopped working entirely. The city stopped glowing. The Elantrians lost their silvery skin, their white hair. Instead, their bodies turned pale and splotchy, wrinkly. Their hair fell out. Their heart stopped beating. Their injuries stopped healing. They were effectively dead, walking corpses. Why then, and how, are they still alive? The surrounding cities and villages quickly close off Elantris. No one is allowed out, and guards are set on Elantris' city walls at all times. The worst part is, even though Elantris and its magics have failed... The Shoud, that mysterious force that randomly chooses people to become Elantrians, is still working. Now, people figure that on any random morning, they could wake up to discover their Elantrian transformation. Dead skin, balding, no heartbeat, etc. 
And that's exactly what happens to one of our three main characters that we follow. Our story opens with Rowden, a prince, just weeks away from his wedding day. Upon learning of his horrible transformation, he is treated just like all the others and banished into the city walls of Elantris. No one in Elantris recognizes him as the prince due to the transformation, and he does not reveal who he is. His goal, as a beloved prince and as someone who can take command to get things done, is to learn more about Elantris and try to help it now that he's on the inside. He has to be careful, as he quickly learns, not to hurt himself. No Elantrian can heal. For example, one of the very first things he does is stub his toe, and now that can never heal and the pain will never go away. There are many in the city whose accidental injuries and pains are now so severe they've simply lost their minds wandering about or laying down in pain for eternity. He also learns, since his body is effectively dead, that food is not required. But that doesn't mean he can't feel hungry. Something else he'll have to learn to live with long term. Something he finds immediately mysterious is the accelerated deterioration of the city. Sure, 10 years is technically a long time, but certainly not long enough to put the entire city into such a state of disrepair. Buildings falling apart, mysterious grime on every single thing, general rot and decay. What's causing all this? The mystery of Elantris is Rowden's main goal, and he tries to make friends and learn everything he can. Meanwhile, back in Civilization, we follow our second of three main characters, Serene, the prince's fiancé. Serene comes from a neighboring kingdom, and the marriage between her and Prince Rowden was one of political advantage, a marriage for the sake of a new alliance. However, even though the bride and groom have never physically met, they were looking forward to the marriage as they both really got along well during long-distance conversations. Serene even secretly arrived a week early to surprise the prince. When she arrives, to the surprise of the king and the court, they inform her that Rowden was killed, choosing not to mention he was actually sent to Elantris, and that she would be just in time for his funeral. However, contractually speaking, it is stated that once engaged to someone, should that person die, the marriage is considered valid and she is now the princess, even if a widowed one. Serene is clever, she knows the king has no time for silly women in his court, and looked down upon her. Using this to her advantage, she plays dumb with the king, and plays head games with the king, to learn more about the cities, the politics, and generally trying to use her knowledge for good against the king who seems more intent on helping himself than his people. Lastly, we follow Hrathen, our third main character, a Dorethi Gaiorn, or if you will, a priest of sorts. He is sent on a mission to convert the people of Erlon to the teachings of Shu Dareth. Otherwise, Erlon will be attacked by the Fjordal Empire, their enemy from the north. He also has his companion, Delof, with him. Delof is considered an Arteth, which is a low rank in their religious hierarchy, basically. Hrathen and Delof aim to convert all of Erlon using the hatred and mysteries of Elantris as part of their intricate schemes to do so. Between these three characters' points of views, what we get is something truly wonderful. Rowden is someone true and good, someone to really look up to, and you just want him so badly to succeed and hate knowing that he would have made such a perfect king uh, under different circumstances. Serene is legitimately hilarious and gave me some laugh-out-loud moments, but also quite clever, and it's great to see how she takes up Rowden's place in the court, trying to live up to what she imagined he would have been like especially after seeing how much love Rowden's people had for him, which may be hard to live up to. Now, Hrathen is the character you really love to hate. You want to see him fail, but secretly you kind of want him to succeed just to see what happens next. 
He's so villainous and so annoyingly clever in his planning. He and Dilaf are written so well, and with quite a few unexpected layers, you can't help but wonder what they will end up getting away with when all is said and done. Anytime I got to their chapters, I couldn't tell if I was maybe more annoyed because I wanted to get back to my two favorite characters in Routed and Serene, or if I was happy because I couldn't wait to see how they were going to mess things up next. Now, I can't talk about a Cosmere novel without mentioning the magic system, but this is an interesting thing to talk about because, as we now know, there effectively is no magic system. It failed 10 years ago, and even then, the only ones who knew anything about it are the Elantrians, who are either dead or too far gone to tell the present-day characters anything about it. A lot of the magic system in the book does end up getting revealed as the story goes along, and it's all technically very spoilerish and integral to the plot, but what little we do know is this. At one point in time, Elantrians used to draw specific symbols in the air that would glow, and depending on the way they were drawn, they would have different effects. Those symbols were called Aeons, spelled A-O-N-S. They could heal, produce light, teleport you, and more. As you progress throughout the book, you will learn much more about its set of rules and laws, and the back of the book even has pictures of all the different symbols used throughout the book, and then some. All I can say now is I find it extremely fascinating and satisfying when all is said and done. The last thing I want to talk about is the ending. I remember, a long time ago, ever so slightly struggling with the ending of this book. Sanderson loves a good finale, a good Sanderson twist or eye-opening experience. This is just sort of expected from his novels. I remember years ago when I first read the original edition of this book, before it was re-edited, that I had read the ending and found it a bit confusing. I sort of got it. I understood technically what the twist was and how it worked, but uh, there was something off about the way it was written that still made me really had to think, and I was not alone in that. Uh, That's part of why it was slightly re-edited. Well, after rereading this new edition, I knew that something was coming, but I couldn't remember what. I had vague ideas, and by the time I once again got to the end, I can honestly say that confusion was still kind of there. I understood it better this time, but upon a quick Google search, I feel assured that I am not alone uh, in my thoughts. Many uh, a Reddit user, etc., have asked many of the same questions that I have uh, after the end of this book. To be clear, I think it's easy to understand what the scene is accomplishing at a base level, but it opens your mind to a few questions that you really have to think about all the way through. Overall, I gave this book a 4 out of 5 stars. When compared to future Sanderson novels, I know what a 5-star novel of his looks like, so I can't rightly give Elantris full marks. However, Elantris is still a massive fan favorite out of all of his works, and anyone who gives it a 5, I rightly understand why you do so. I can't think of any single fantasy novel you could compare this novel to. It's not a standard fantasy tale. It does the literal opposite of most fantasies. It takes away the magic. It takes away the epic and beautiful fantasy kingdom that everyone wants to visit. It is, at its core, borderline a mystery novel, given the core purpose of the book and what the characters are trying to accomplish. This book should be top of the list on your fantasy pile if you haven't read it. It comes in at about 550 pages, and if you're looking to read it physically, try to make sure you find the 10th anniversary edition, as I'm sure there are older copies still circulating out there today. But for now, that brings this episode to a close, and I will see you next time. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on our podcast, and keep an eye out for more Cosmere coming soon. It does take a while for me to get through these books in between the other books that Jesse and I are reading, Uh, so uh, be a little bit patient with me. Keep an eye out for Warbreaker next, and until next time, bye. (laughs) Bye.